ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Bill Barnwell, it is D-Day, the 6th of June, the longest day. The Stanley Cup final is underway. The NBA finals are underway. But football, of course, never sleeps, not even in that uh, nebulous zone between OTAs and mandatory minicamps. So uh, what does a Bill Barnwell personal, your own OTA, look like? <laughs> well. I would love to tell you that I use it for continuing education and uh, ju- just general physical activity. But realistically, I do the same thing everyone else does. I shut down. I watch the NBA and NHL finals. I open up all the spreadsheets that I have to maintain and put together before the season starts. Uh-huh. I look at them for a few minutes and think about updating them. And then I close them because no one in the NFL has to do work if they don't want to until training camp opens in July. So just like the NFL, my OTAs are optional. The calendar may have flipped to June and teams of both the NBA and NHL are battling for championships. Major League Baseball is in full swing, but the NFL never sleeps. So today, with OTAs winding down and mini camps just around the corner, Bill Barnwell joins the show. Make sure we're all caught up on the league with no offseason. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Tuesday, June 6th. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's start with the topic on everyone's radar right now. And that's where DeAndre Hopkins is going to land. As a player, and he's been one of the best receivers in football for a long time, what does he still have to offer? I believe, Jeremy, that DeAndre Hopkins is still pretty darn good. Murray, out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Six seconds. Murray heaves it downfield. I know the numbers were not necessarily there last year, and and there's some explanations of why. He missed the first six games of the year with a PED suspension, and then the final couple games of the year where the Cardinals basically Hmm. were shutting up shop and nobody who really wanted to play had to play. But between then, he was quite good. Blitz is on, down the middle. He's got the wide open Hopkins with a spinning broken tackle, taking it to the end zone. Touchdown, Cardinals! There was a nine-week stretch where he was on the field and present. 
And he was fourth in the NFL in receptions and 10th in the NFL in receiving yards over that stretch. And it was not pretty last year for Arizona. After making the playoffs the prior year, pretty much everybody either gets hurt or plays poorly. Kyler Murray tears his ACL. Cliff Kingsbury gets fired. But Hopkins, all things considered, when he was available to play, did a pretty good job when he was on the field. So why hasn't anybody been beating down Arizona's doors to acquire him? Very good question, Jeremy. You're very good at this. Thank you. I'm trying. I just started. Super <laughs> first interview. I don't believe so. Um, it's a really fascinating situation because there's not really one factor. There's maybe a disparity between Hopkins the player and Hopkins the possible asset to add to your NFL organization. Mm. So let's start with the simplest thing, just sheer availability. Hopkins has missed nine games over the last two seasons with injuries. And after that PED suspension earlier in the 2022 season, he's one strike away from missing an entire year via suspension. Tim Graham of The Athletic reported last week that there were teams who were concerned with how often Hopkins has missed practice over the past few seasons, which has been often with nagging injuries. Hopkins turns 31 today, coincidentally. And there are teams who are not comfortable handing multi-year guarantees to players on the wrong side of 30. Money is a significant concern. The Texans traded Hopkins in 2019 in that ill-fated, famous trade that probably led to hmm. Bill O'Brien getting fired in Houston. One of the reasons they did that trade is because Hopkins wanted a new contract with three years left to go on his existing pact, which is pretty rare in the NFL. Only true, absolute, no-questions-asked superstars get extensions with three years left to go on their existing deals. The Cardinals did that. They made the trade, gave Hopkins a massive extension just after acquiring him. But at this point, there's two years and $35 million left on Hopkins's existing deal. The top of the wide receiver market is now $30 million per season. Hopkins set to make 35 over two. So Hopkins, who has been representing himself, felt like this was probably a time to push for either more guarantees or even a brand new contract on the whole. That power play didn't work. So a rebuilding Cardinals team couldn't find a trade offer and decided to cut Hopkins altogether. Now timing is contributing to Hopkins still being out on the free agent market. If this were March, there would have been plenty of cap space and cash for Hopkins to find a new suitor. I suspect he would have got more than Beckham got to sign with the Ravens. But now it's not just the cap space. This isn't a strict cap situation. This is about actual cash. The reality is most NFL teams have already spent the vast majority of what they have budgeted for a particular offseason at this point. There are some owners who are happy to go above and beyond their budget and some who are happy to hold the line and say absolutely not. So I suspect there'll be a team willing to sign Hopkins to a meaningful deal, but Hopkins himself may have to decide whether he would prefer to land in a spot where he can make the most money or a spot where he has the best chance of winning a Super Bowl. So who needs him the most, Bill? Whew. It, it is tough because there are teams who need him but aren't necessarily great fits. Take the Patriots, who on paper, Hopkins is an obvious fit. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster was out of this offseason. They signed Mike Gesicki, but they still need that number one target that they've been craving for several years now. Bill Belichick loves DeAndre Hopkins. That's his ball skills are at the, at the very elite level of guys that you know, I've seen in this league. He's every bit as good as anybody I've ever coached against. 
but there is a roadblock <laughs> in the Patriots organization. Their new offensive coordinator, who, of course, underwent a very fiery breakup with Hopkins. And that is the presence of one Bill O'Brien, who was just added from Alabama to help rebuild Mac Jones's confidence after a terrible 2022 season. So you never say never in the NFL. Stranger things have happened. But it is difficult to imagine Hopkins volunteering to go play with his old boss from Houston in New England. It would be nice to see them together again, though, wouldn't it? It, You know, I I love a good just, reunion. Yeah, just for sentimental reasons. I would make me happy to see them reunited. <laughs> but it, obviously, it's not just the Patriots, Bill. Absolutely not. There, there are some other teams where a reunion could make sense as well. The Browns, for example, who have Deshaun Watson, Hopkins' former quarterback in Houston, is now the quarterback in Cleveland. Our connection, our relationship has always been great. Uh, and I know it's a lot of things swirling around in the media of, you know, him possibly coming to Cleveland. And, you know, for me, my answer to that is, of course, we would love to have him. And the Browns have the cap space to make this work. But I don't love the fit. The fact that he's not necessarily a speed demon or a guy who's going to make his hay by running away from people. And that's very similar to Amari Cooper, the Browns' current number one receiver. I just think the best situation for Hopkins might be elsewhere. What about Daniel Jones? What about New York? Oh, yes, it would work. And, and certainly the Giants need that number one receiver. They added a lot of twos and threes. They traded for Darren Waller. But Waller's a tight end who's missed almost a full season's worth of games over the past two seasons. And he's now on the wrong side of 30 as well. So it would make sense. But... The Giants already went through this entire offseason and added a bunch of pieces. Do they want to move all those pieces into ancillary or tertiary roles to mm. create an opportunity for Hopkins? It would be a very surprising addition for a team that expects to be competitive in 2023, but isn't exactly about to compete for a Super Bowl. Now, you know, thinking about um, teams out there that might need a number one wideout, there's one in particular that's had some success lately that kind of fits the bill, right, Bill? Oh, yeah. The Super Bowl champions. The team that won a Super Bowl despite trading away their number one receiver in Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs. And they've adopted sort of a quantity over quality approach <laughs> since trading away Tyreek Hill. They use second round picks on guys like Sky Moore and Rashi Rice. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling a year ago. They trade for Kadarius Tony, who on paper, and according to you know, reports from our Jeremy Fowler, the Chiefs are thrilled with Kadarius Tony and think he can be a number one wide receiver. With that being said, given that Tony's barely stayed healthy during his first two seasons, and the fact that you can maybe sign DeAndre Hopkins for free in free agency, it seems like that would be an opportunity the Chiefs would consider availing themselves of. Free as in the Chiefs wouldn't have to give up a player or draft pick because, as you said, money is still a huge factor. Um, but at this point, how would the Chiefs fit Hopkins into the fold? Kansas City does not have a ton of cap space, a little over $1 million to work with right now. So they probably have to either wait for Hopkins' demands to come down or build a very creative contract to add mm -hmm. Hopkins to the mix with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Well, if you can't play catch with Patrick Mahomes, would Josh Allen, you know, uh, be a good Ooh, substitute? Certainly feels like that would be a move for the Bills to make if they think they are all in to win a Super Bowl 
this upcoming season. I just wonder if there are concerns after what happened last year, where they went all in, really, to sign Von Miller in free agency, of course, a veteran superstar playing at a high level, only for Miller to tear his ACL in the first of what amounts to a three-year guaranteed contract. So I wonder if the Bills have sort of already made their all-in move last season in going after a edge rusher as opposed to a wide receiver. All right, after the break, Bill will dig in on everything in the league, not DeAndre Hopkins. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Okay, so Bill, you've written in your column this week about a team that we mentioned briefly, the New York Football Giants, and the team that they defeated in the playoffs last season, the Vikings. And I want to start with the Giants here, because whether or not they pursued DeAndre Hopkins, it does feel like the Giants under Brian Dable turned a corner last year, and that was ahead of schedule, right, in, in terms of where people expected them to be. I think that's a really good way to put it, Jeremy, because I, I think there's sort of a hope that everything that went well last year for the Giants will go well again in 2023, and everything that didn't go well will improve. And hey, sometimes that happens, but the reality is that's not typically how the NFL works. And I think on the offensive side of the ball, the Giants have to do more and play better to get the same results as what they had a year ago. Daniel Jones and the Giants threw the league's fewest interceptions and turned the ball over at the lowest rate of any team in football a year ago. Those feats are often impossible to repeat unless you're Tom Brady. Both Jones and Saquon Barkley were healthy for the entire season in 2023 after both players missed at least a couple games in 2019, 2020, and the 2021 season as well. The Giants added Darren Waller to the offense, but as I mentioned earlier, Waller's missed 14 games over the past two seasons with various injuries. So if the offense may not be able to play as well as it did a year ago, you look towards the defense. And based on how they played a year ago, I don't think the defense looms as a particularly exciting option either.
the Giants played defense last year. How can I put this nicely? They played it like your drunk friend at the blackjack table who gets hot at exactly the right times and insists that he's playing perfect blackjack strategy. The Giants were the league's worst defense on first and second down, but then miraculously improved to become its fifth best defense on third and fourth down. They were the fourth worst defense in the NFL outside of the red zone, but mysteriously, once teams got inside the Giants 20, they morphed into the second best defense in football. They buckled down. That's that's what happened. I don't know about NFL teams. There's certainly plenty I need to know about the NFL. I've never heard an NFL coach say, ah, the first 80 yards, you guys can do whatever you want. Just, just once you get inside the 20, start buckling down, guys. You don't believe in the sustainability of luck. That's what you've always said, Bill. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. I'm always nervous when you're building your your entire existence and your multi-billion dollar franchise on, eh, we'll buckle down and figure it out once they get inside the red zone. That's my concern with the Giants. And really last year, it was a lot of close games. The only game they won by more than eight points last season came against the Colts, who were actively tanking by the time they got to the Meadowlands last year. Now, Dable might be a good coach. I I think there's plenty to like about his rookie season as an NFL head coach, but we know history tells us one year does not tell you everything you need to know. For every Sean McVay and Nick Sirianni, where they were good in their first year and got even better in the years to come, in terms of offensive-minded coaches who turn their new teams around, there's an Adam Gase in Miami or a Matt Nagy in Chicago, where they were lauded in year one for making the playoffs. And things didn't go great after that point for those coaches. I don't know which side of the coin table will fall on, but I do think the Giants have to play better if they want to get back to the postseason in 2023. You are a crusher of dreams, Bill. <laughs> every every Giants fan I talk to says this, and I don't know why. <laughs> because you don't believe that luck is the residue of design. You just think luck is luck. I never even occurred to me that design had a residue. Well, that's Branch Ricky. That's not me. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Vikings. It's kind of the other side of the coin. Uh, Minnesota had this roller coaster of a season, multiple comeback wins. They finished the top of the division. Everybody thinks they're going to go far in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then the Giants take them out. What about the Vikings in twenty twenty three? Whew! This is weird to say. I-, I think they are in as bad of a shape as any 13-win team in the history of the National Football League. Which, normally, if you win 13 games in a season, you're pretty thrilled about it, typically. You're excited about your future. I don't know if the Vikings can feel that way. Let's start with how they played last year. Because I think everyone has an idea. They were a little lucky last year. Let's clarify how dramatic of a difference there was between how they played and what the results they got from that play was. So Football Outsiders, the think tank, uh, uh, full disclosure, I worked there for several years. They have a stat called DVOA, which measures a team's performance on a play-by-play basis after you account for down, distance, situation, and the quality of your opposition. Jeremy, DVOA pegged the Vikings in 2022 to be the sixth worst team in all of football. They were worse than the Rams, who were signing Baker Mayfield, having him learn the playbook on a plane. 
But they won 13 games out of 17. They did, but they were really bad, even though they won 13 games. But they buckled down. They buckled down. They sure, oh, trust me, they sure did buckle. That's very correct. <laughs> they succeeded, Jeremy, not by playing well. They succeeded by cheating the system. You are a destroyer of worlds and dreams. Not, not just a crusher of hope. Oh, sure. But I, I think the Vikings should know better. And Vikings fans deserve to know better. You might say, Bill, they buckle down. They have the, the residue of, of design. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> Luck is the residue of design. That's right. There we go. But what makes this so fascinating, Jeremy, is that with some organizations in the NFL... They would just pack up their bootstraps. They'd say, that's just what we do. We're great when it matters. We're not going to worry about that stuff. The Vikings are run by one of the most quantitatively and analytically inclined general managers in football in Quasi Adolfo Mensa. They're much smarter than me, which means they know that even though they had a great record, they didn't really play all that well last year, which leads to a fascinating question. If you're Adolfo Mensa, do you conduct your offseason like you're the 13-win team that you were in reality or the eight-and-a-half-win team that you look like underneath the hood? Well, if your surname includes Mensa, you're probably doing it right. That's a good point. That will help, certainly, <laughs> as they try to retool this <laughs> roster. They replaced Patrick Peterson, the former star cornerback in the secondary, by signing Byron Murphy from the Cardinals. At wide receiver, they released a local legend in Adam Thielen, and replaced him with a first-round pick in Jordan Addison. They held on to edge rusher Zedaria Smith for months before trading him to the Browns in a deal where they essentially paid money to acquire some late-round picks, and they appear to be adopting the same strategy with running back Dalvin Cook, who is unlikely to return to the roster in 2023, given a $10.4 million salary. So if you ask the Vikings, if you could give them truth serum and ask them, what do you think you're actually going to do in 2023? Even they would tell you they're not going to win 13 games again this upcoming season. Okay, Bill, you've made it clear you don't believe in luck or the residue design or any of that, but you do believe in grades and you've been handing them out on ESPN.com. So, so who made your off-season honor roll? I'll, I'll go with an easy one. And this is also totally unrelated to what happens on the field when it comes to the changes they made to the roster, I don't care. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with a very, very large financial transaction that is about to happen in the NFL, and that is the Washington Commanders, who are, according to many published reports, in the process of being sold by Daniel Snyder. And that would end, perhaps I'm biased because I live in the Washington, D.C. area. Six billion dollars. Yes, $6 billion. You know, by the way, just to, just an aside, Jeremy, I don't know if you're planning on buying an NFL team. I would love to. It's a license to print money, but I, I, I don't have the capital. That is, that is the most incredible thing to me, that Daniel Snyder ran the Commanders franchise into the ground, on the field, off the field, was wildly un unsuccessful in every single way an owner can be unsuccessful. And is going to make a profit of about $4.5 billion on what he paid over the course of the last 25 years while making money every single step of the way in between. It's remarkable. 
another team, uh, I'm interested in your grading from their offseason moves, the Miami Dolphins. We haven't paid quite as much attention to what they've been doing as their division rival, the New York Jets, but they haven't exactly been standing pat. I really like what they've done this offseason in terms of rebuilding their defense. They might have made the two most meaningful additions on that side of the ball of any team in the NFL. They made a trade that a year ago would have been impossible in Madden. They traded a third-round pick and backup tight end Hunter Long to the Rams for a superstar cornerback in Jalen Ramsey. And like Hopkins, the market was about more than just his quality of play. Ramsey is a 28-year-old cornerback who did not play as well last year as he did during that run to the Super Bowl the prior season, but he was also maybe the best player on a defense that won a Super Bowl in February of 2022. That was 16 months ago. Burrow fires to the end zone, and it's incomplete. That is T. Higgins covered by Ramsey, so Ramsey moves over. He was playing on a team in the Rams that had basically every single significant player get injured. Now, there are teams who remember Ramsey literally pulling up in a Brinks truck to Tom Coughlin's offices in Jacksonville when he wanted the new deal a few years ago. And that might have scared them to go after Ramsey. But the Dolphins, they were not scared. They were ready for that Brinks truck. The Dolphins guaranteed Ramsey $35.5 million over the next two seasons to get him on their roster. And in doing so, they might have the best cornerback room in football with Ramsey, Savian Howard, and impressive rookie Kadir Kohu. Okay, Bill, so those are your top performers, your high achievers from the offseason. Who's staying after class for office hours? The, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're running things a lot like, you know, someone who has been in Vegas for a little bit too long and is desperately trying to make the money back that they lost earlier. Wait, we're back the- to our drunk friend at the blackjack table. I have some experience with this drunk friend. You can decide whether I'm yeah. the friend or not. <laughs> I've Jeremy. already decided. This <laughs> is just a, a situation where it feels like the Raiders are either naive or not willing to accept reality. This is a team that got lucky to make the playoffs in 2021. They had a run of games against backup quarterbacks or COVID-compromised quarterbacks that helped them sneak into the postseason. And Josh McDaniels came to town the following year and instead of deciding that the Raiders were not very close to competing for a Super Bowl, decided to get aggressive. He wanted to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the AFC West. So they went out and traded their top two picks in last year's draft for Devontae Adams. Adams was great. There wasn't enough around him for the Raiders to compete. The Raiders missed the postseason, and they scapegoated Carr, who was eventually cut after the season without anything in return for the Raiders. So Josh McDaniels goes out, and he signs Jimmy Garoppolo, a former pupil of McDaniels in New England. Now, what happened next should not be surprising. Garoppolo struggled to stay healthy in virtually every one of his pro campaigns, and this year, he didn't even make it to the contract signing before being less than 100%. Garoppolo was not able to pass a physical in Vegas with a foot injury that required surgery, and the Raiders just simply decided to not talk about it at the press conference or at any point between now and then. Details, Bill. Mere details. Mere details until Mike Florio of Pro Football (laughs) Talk reported on this topic a couple of weeks ago. Now, Garoppolo may return at the start of the season. That is the hope at this point. But he's going to miss key practice time with his new team in the months to come. Well, it's only been 40 years since they last won the Super Bowl. Would it be (laughs) unkind, Bill, at this point to 
to uh, mention that Tim Tebow might be available to Josh McDaniels, who who drafted him in 2010? Not just drafted Tim Tebow, drafted Tim Tebow in the first round, Jeremy. Bill, I honestly did not expect to be talking about Tim Tebow today, but I guess it should never be a surprise when he comes up. Um, as we wrap up, uh, you know, I want to ask about the Raiders' former neighbors when they were still in the Bay Area. Uh, because just as Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas, 49ers old quarterback, uh, has his team in a bit of a bind with his health and his foot and all that stuff, the 49ers have their own quarterback situation that's gotten murky because there are health issues there. In San Francisco, there's a three-way bonanza happening at quarterback starting with Brock Purdy, who was attempting to make it back from the elbow injury he suffered in the NFC Championship game. It would make sense for the Niners to turn to Trey Lance, their third-year quarterback, who missed virtually all of 2022 after breaking his ankle in Week 2. But the organization has repeatedly suggested that Purdy will have the inside track to the starting job if and when he's healthy. Well, how couldn't he, right, after what he did last season? Well, sure, but this is an organization that once traded three first-round picks to acquire Trey Lance only a couple of years ago. So certainly they thought Lance was going to be their quarterback of the future. And then speaking, Jeremy, of quarterbacks of the future, Sam Darnold is here no. on a one-year, $4.5 million deal. I missed that. Every Kyle Shanahan tactic is about convincing you that Kyle Shanahan is a genius and can win with anybody a quarterback. And frankly, he might be right. If they can pull it off with three different quarterbacks this year and add Sam Darnold to the mix, I will be very impressed but if Darnold impresses, if Purdy is ready to play, the Niners could consider trading Trey Lance three years after giving up three first-round picks to acquire him and after a total of four NFL starts in a Niners uniform. So a lot up in the air, depending on injuries and depending on who plays well as we get to July and August. I would have to say, Bill, this has been anything but as quiet as I might have expected, you know, on, on June 6th, on the, the, you know, the figurative longest day. I'm just hoping to get a good grade when you do the ESPN Daily guest rankings later this week. A plus. Yes. I'm Jeremy Schapp. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.